Welcome back, Morning Skate fans and family. We are uh, joined by JT Barnett, founder of Triple Deke Media, former professional hockey player, all-around uh, influencer and TikTok uh, curator as well. So, uh, you know, it's one of the things Jimmy and I, you know, we started this thing from the ground up and we're both really into social media and marketing. So I'm excited to kind of touch on a lot of things, but welcome to the Morning Skate, JT Barnett. Thank you, bro. Thank you for having me. Thank you for the nice introduction. I'm excited to talk. Yeah, man. So uh, kind of before we get into all the, seems like you're doing a lot of cool things now, but um, what uh, what brought you into hockey and kind of tell us about growing up in Scottsdale and what uh, led you into your youth hockey and then all the way uh, you know, to the professional ranks? Yeah, so I definitely like proximity wise had a different hockey upbringing than most people living in California and Arizona. Uh, my dad happened to be an agent. So I was technically born into hockey. Um, I was on skates when I was two. I was playing on teams when I was four and five. So I was very much so uh, hockey not being an option for me. It was a you're you're going to get on the ice and you're going to skate. Um, I developed, I did develop a passion super early being around, getting to be around players um, of that magnitude that my dad was representing. So it wasn't, it wasn't always forced, but uh, at the beginning, I definitely was put on skates pretty early. I grew up in Los Angeles. Uh, I spent about the first 10 years of my life in and out of LA in the, in Los Angeles and outside of it in Palm Springs before moving over to Scottsdale and, uh, and then lived in Scottsdale for the next 15 years of my life. So uh, was always in hot places, but because of my dad's affiliation to the sport, I was always spending most of my time in a cold rink. Yeah, right on. I think it's uh, yeah, it's pretty cool to kind of be born into hockey in that regard. My dad played, uh, you know, Division One as well, and was kind of just a way. As you grow up, you see your dad on skates, and you're like, "That's that's it. That's what I want to do too." Totally. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I I was following you for quite a bit, and then doing a little bit more research before this interview, found out really who your dad is. And I was like, oh my gosh, he was the agent for Wayne Gretzky. And, um, you know, the list goes on and on. I've got right here, yeah, Grant Fuhr, Henrik Sandins, Paul Coffey, Sergey Fedorov, Yammer Yager, Brett Hall, um, Joe Thornton, <laughs> pretty incredible. Yeah. Um, what was what was that like growing up? I, I mean, I'm sure you bumped, bumped elbows with Gretzky and, yeah. and all, all kinds of things. Yeah, I mean, obviously it was cool, but um, it was definitely what made me want to be a player at a high level and really just be like a high level individual, even outside of, of hockey. Um, I now look at hockey as almost like my side hustle when I was playing pro, because I think when I realized that I wasn't going to make the NHL, um, I was always interested in other things that I'm sure we'll get into. But definitely being around those athletes um, and and other agents that my dad was around and other people that had worked in the sport at a high level um, developed a serious passion for both the sport, but also the business and the creativity behind things that my dad did. And I think that that's something that I'm learning more and more every day as I continue to do things post-career in the business world, um, just how much um, in that creative field I've taken from my dad and, and the things that he was being, that he was able to do as an agent. And then as a, as an executive. 
Yeah. So, so as an agent, he's kind of coming up with the deals for Wayne Gretzky and kind of trying to position them in the most light to get endorsements and things like that. I'm sure. So yep. um, a lot of early creativity with the eighties and nineties. And I'm sure that's uh I'm, off on you. <laughs> I'm learning more. I'm learning more and more about it. The more I'm doing what I'm doing because now with what I'm doing with triple D I'm having, people that are close to my dad's age or people that work under people that are close to my dad's age reach out to me. And I'm hearing more of the like war stories with my, from my dad uh, when he was an agent and just the things that he did um, that I didn't really know uh, he had done. And when I hear those stories, it's like, it, it's a, uh, it clicks for me that a lot of the creativity that I have, was given to me by my dad. Um, he just did a lot of, he just was, he just was innovative as an agent. Um, he put players in a different, in a different uh, light than I think they were before, even outside of Wayne. Cause I think Wayne marketed himself when you're scoring a thousand points a year, it's not too hard to get you in the door, but, uh, but outside of that players that he, um, got like real lucrative deals for like Sergei Fedorov breaking the record, breaking the, the uh, history of long-term deals with a signing bonus that my dad was able to put into a contract through some sort of a loophole that he came up with. Just things like that, that I hear that outside, if it wasn't my dad, I would still be like, damn, that was cool. Um, but knowing that it was something that my dad did is just makes me, really like pumped to be his son. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm still, uh, I'm in a family business with my dad too, and I'm still learning every, every day. Cool things. Uh, totally. And I think, uh, you know, you touched on something about like, you know, if you're around guys like Brett Hull and Yager and Gretzky and, you know, the likes of Tom Brady or whoever, it's like that, that cliche of the five people you surround yourself with, like the greatness rubs off. I'm sure growing mm -hmm. up, if you were, you know, 13, you watching the way Yager works out after practice or whatever it had be. Um, and I see that kind of following you today with your honey house, which I'd, I'd like to get into later on or whatever, but um, it's kind of like you're, you're a mover and shaker, man. You're doing a lot of things and you're around people that are doing a lot of things too. And, uh, you know, to be honest, I envy it a little bit cause I'm here in Saratoga and I'm, friends with a lot of people online and stuff, but there's not nearly as much um, going on in upstate New York as there is in LA. But uh, yeah, well, I think that that's the, I think that you're living in a good time right now with everything that's gone on in the past year where it is shifting so much to being digital. And, and when I was playing um, and was living overseas in Russia or was living overseas in France and didn't, and was not near anybody proximity wise, I had to leave my my physical location and and spend more time in a virtual location on the internet in different communities, developing relationships like you are right now. Um, so that one day, if I was in proximity with them, if I was in their city, I could actually turn those into real legitimate relationships in person. But majority of my um, building of of what I've been doing, what I'm now actually doing started from me living while I was living abroad and was just sitting in my DMs and was just sitting on message boards and jumping into group chats and commenting 
trying to make those connections when I couldn't physically be there because I knew one day I would be around them um, and just wanted to build those relationships before. So you, so even though you're not in LA, um, the internet has created a, an opportunity that wasn't there before for you to still build relationships like you are right now over FaceTime that you should take advantage of. Yeah, totally. That's a great piece of advice for, um, you know, everybody listening. And I see, we see all these like young kids doing these stick handling videos in their, in their backyard or whatever. Like I've had some, some kids like blow up and, um, some cool reposts and stuff, but yeah, um, yeah, that's a great, great piece of advice. I know Gary Vaynerchuk talks a lot about, you know, the internet has kind of, kind of just, you know, taken the whole, the whole uh, thing away. You know. the, the internet has changed everything as we know it. And I think that that's something, and that's something that honestly me and my dad don't look at the same way. But my dad is, is oh, 70 plus years old, um, doesn't know how to use Instagram and grew and grew up and spent his life pre-internet where there was different ways of doing things than there are now. And so him and I see differently on, on things that revolve around social media. Um, I look at the things very similar to Gary Vaynerchuk. I think that the internet has, has, has um, removed the middleman. I think that it has allowed everybody to build themselves as a brand. And I think that it has far more than you could before. Um, and I think that it has just really given people the opportunity to take control of their life. And that's something that for me is super empowering to be able to know that no longer do you have to follow a certain way of living and follow a certain pattern to be able to be successful. And so with all of my content and everything that I'm doing, I'm trying just to get people to understand that as well, that they also don't need to follow a pattern and that they can do their own thing and that the internet will actually reward that rather than previously when if you didn't follow a, a set of standards or a way of, of going about things uh, where you had to go through somebody that was holding a gate for you. I don't think that that happens anymore. And so yeah. I, I am an internet kid through and through. I grew up with it. I love it. I think that there is obviously pieces of the internet similar to any major city physically. There is neighborhoods and areas of the internet that I am not a fan of, but I holistically as, as a whole, am a massive fan of the internet. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, and think of, yeah, I mean, you nailed it. Like all the people you can connect with any, anything I've, we've had some pretty remarkable people just on this podcast alone. Um, so that's, that's cool. That. What, yeah. Um, for, I know we're, we're kind of jumping all over the place, but um, I love the uh, this topic. So what do, you, what do you say to someone who may have like three different projects going on, um, like a hockey podcast, a mental health thing, and like your family business or nine to five? Um, that's kind of all three are completely unrelated, but mm -hmm. I also find myself talking about mental health in this. And then um, a lot of the marketing stuff I do with the morning skate transfers into the marketing I do with grant graphics. And, uh, yeah, I notice you, you've got your hand in multiple projects. So I wonder if you can kind of speak to juggling different things and kind of how you do it. A hundred percent. It's a topic that this is a topic that I really enjoy, uh, conversing about because, um, in my past as an athlete, 
that was something that has been ingrained in me of you're an athlete, you're an athlete, you're just an athlete, be just an athlete, don't step outside of that lane and try to do anything else and just focus on being an athlete. And I am the most sporadic, spontaneous person that wants to always do multiple things at once. And even when I was a kid, like even when I was in my youth hockey, as I was playing and growing up, I was always very into playing video games. I was always very into being on the computer and doing things on the internet. And I think that as I got older and started to play in juniors, those other things started to be looked at as not beneficial to my sport. And I could not be farther from viewing that as, um, as correct. I think that it's, I think that it comes down to self-awareness and understanding what makes you feel like you're at your best. And I think that more people now have grown up with so many different things that they can dabble into because of the internet that I think, um, more and more kids want to be able to balance multiple things. Some people might be single-minded and all they want is to be an athlete or to work in the family business or to create content. And they only want to do one thing. And that one thing fills their cup up so that they don't need to do anything else for other people like myself. I'm not okay with just doing one thing. I need to juggle four five, six different things and bounce around between them because they all generate energy for me rather than one of them and dedicating all of myself to just one thing that doesn't do it for me. That doesn't fill me up. I end up getting burnt out. And so to anybody that is in a similar position where they are trying to balance a couple of different things or are just balancing one and are being told that they should do something else. I think self-awareness is really important of, of understanding when do I feel at my best is it with multiple things? Is it when I'm single-minded and going hard at one? Um, because it there's no right or wrong. And for me, balancing a handful is is the way that I want to do it. Yeah. Yeah, you, the, you nailed it with the fill, fill up your cup. I mean, each each thing gives me different pleasures and different, uh, you know, rewarding in different ways. So thank you for yeah. that. That was really, really good. I mean, dude, I'm literally, like, I, I do, I'm organized with it. So I would say that, if you are balancing a couple different things, something that might help would be creating a framework around it so that you're not all over the place. But um, I, I physically cannot just do one thing and just be like, this is my only thing that I'm doing. Um, I love variety and it makes me excited to be able to spend time doing something else and then being able to jump back into the thing that I was originally doing rather than just sticking on one thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, kind of with, with what you were saying about the players and, um, social media and all that stuff, like feel like it would be a good, good transition into a triple deke and just kind of what you see in the NHL. You guys have been posting some really cool things about, um, Twitch players or uh, maybe it was the Logan and Jake Paul and mm-hmm. you know, Nathan McKinnon's salary and all this stuff about like kind of where the game should be headed. And I was wondering if you wanted to kind of touch on that athlete's personal brand side of it. Yeah. And actually, sorry. And, and uh, Triple D can kind of how you, how you founded that and um, yeah. what it is and why. 
So Triple Deke is my hockey media brand platform. Um, we're kind of doing a handful of different things, so I don't know exactly how to uh, identify it, but essentially it's an Instagram page and TikTok page um, where we showcase the next generation. So 28, 25 and below players uh, just in a deeper level than, than just their highlights. So we try to showcase what players are into what clothes they're wearing, what brands they're into, what they listen to, what they're eating, what their routine is, all of that, that really just like makes a player who they are because I just don't think that enough brands do that in hockey. I don't think that the audience knows enough about their favorite players. And I think that the general population knows next to nothing about any of the hockey players that are in the league. Um, and so our mission as a brand with Triple Deke is to try and empower players to do that more on their own but also teach them that teach them the tools to do that and showcase the players that are doing it and celebrate the players that are doing it already basically just trying to make it dope to brand yourself because if you look at the nba and how they've done it and when you think of um games in their league nobody is thinking about the houston rockets versus the golden state warriors they think about steph curry versus james harden or russell westbrook and in the nhl nobody thinks about games as they, nobody thinks about games as austin matthews versus Sidney crosby the general population looks at it as toronto versus pittsburgh and i and those are the two arguably two of the most marketable people in the nhl and I just think that the NHL and all of the, all of the teams and players and representatives of the players could do a better job of marketing it with the internet. Um, I think that the framework that they're using right now is a framework that worked pre-internet. Um, and I don't think that that is, is working anymore. And I think that if they can take a page out of what the NBA has done and really go hard onto the players in their, in their own individual brands, um, it will put them in a better position. And so rather than me try and just complain about that and not do anything about it, I wanted to create a brand that actually celebrates the players that are doing it so that more players do want to do it um, and therefore help each other and help the game. Yeah, that's awesome. I didn't realize it was um, under 25 too. That's really cool to kind of showcase. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so you had, uh, you had one of the NWH players, right, in the bubble? Recently. uh yes recently yeah. like in, the last, in the last week yeah that's cool um, yeah so basically what we just try to do is we we will we want players to really just give us an in-depth look at what their day looks like so especially when players are playing i think that that's when it's probably the most interesting for the audience so we just had uh one of the players that was in the nwhl bubble do a takeover for a day and show us what it looked like yeah it's really cool um, so just kind of going into that a little bit further, like what, what do you envision the NHL in five years? Like, are there cameras in the locker rooms? Does everybody have their own like social media specialist that follows them around kind of thing? Like, how do you, how do you see it? I know Juju Smith-Schuster on the Steelers is probably the best in the NFL at taking a yeah. TikTok out at midfield or whatever, but, mm -hmm. um, how do how do we, uh, get the NHL to that point? Um, I think teaching, well, how do I want to phrase it? 
I think starting with the foundation of the culture of empowering players to be individuals rather than just be team first. I think that there is a strong emphasis on being a team player, but when you really break down what that means for, for teams and for, for organizations, it almost has an air to it of it meaning don't be an individual at all and only be a team guy and don't put yourself not, not only first, don't put yourself anywhere outside of just being part of this group. And I just don't agree with that. Like, I just think that that is, I don't think that that is a healthy model. I don't think that that lends players to feel their best on the ice. Um, and I think that that is something that is just outdated. And so if I were to, if I were to suggest where to start, it would be really looking at who the people are that are, that are making decisions for the culture right now. And by culture, I mean the lock, the environment in the locker room, the environment in the coaching staff, the environment in the ownership group, who's making those decisions and make sure that those people are uh, for players being individuals and feeling empowered. Um, and then I think after that, everything follows suit. I think after that, it would be amazing for them to um, have a ton more content creators around consistently, whether that's videographers in the locker room, whether that's just more hype uh, edits uh, from the game, whether that's partnering with uh, people like Triple Deke and, and other brands like that to get them to do more all access type content. Um, that would be, that would be where I would start. Um, but it, none of that works if the foundation of the culture doesn't change in the way that it is right now. Yeah. That's super interesting. Cause there's like the whole name on the front of your Jersey versus the name on the back. And it almost sounds like it, if everybody doesn't buy in, then it won't, it wouldn't work. Cause um, buy -in, like even in buy-in it's, like I like I would love to buy in. I think buying in is amazing. Buying into me in a healthy way is everybody looking out for one another to be the best that they can be and to show up on the ice at their optimum playing ability. And I think right now, if you think about what buy-in is means when somebody says it, it's like don't step out of line, don't make anybody else look bad, don't do anything that can make the organization have to deal with anything. And, and then at, after all of that, do what you can to show up for the game. And to me, I'm just like, that just doesn't work. That doesn't work. It doesn't, I don't think that that is conducive for anybody on the ice. Um, and a perfect example of that is I think that players showing up to the rink in whatever they want to wear lends players to feel the best they can going into the rink rather than having to wear a suit. And that's such an easy, like simple argument to make. I don't think that, I, I mean, I love, I think suits are great. I think, but I don't think that it should be, you have to wear a suit because this is our heritage. It should be what really makes our players feel the best coming into the rink. And it's 2021. And if, and I can guarantee you just from me having conversations with players a lot of guys don't feel the same way about rocking a, a two or three piece suit that they do wearing Dior shoes and wearing a Supreme backpack or so, you know something else. 
players just it's a different era and so i think that if i'm a if i'm a leader in that locker room in that if i'm a leader in that staff on the team the ownership group the management group the heads of the league the, the marketing team of the league i'm looking at if our goal is to win the game how do we do that well we probably want our players to feel the best that they possibly can so let's look at all of our culture and what rules and standards we have and let's see where we can shift to allow players to feel their best not our version of the best that we've set up from 1993 but the 2021 version of what makes these kids feel good yeah and and expressing yourself makes you feel good and then yep. it leads to leads to a, um more of the kind of showing their individuality and their personal brand it's awesome mm -hmm. um cool man well uh do you want to kind of give us a little bit more about what you're doing with um reset and honey house and kind of what your yeah. what your day to day is like now so reset unfortunately is paused because of covid so that was um when i first retired i started doing influencer work so filming photos and videos uh i don't, I don't really like using the word influencer but that was kind of what i that's technically what i ended up doing um but just basically posting photos and videos of my of me working out doing stick handling stuff training um, and I was able to work with some brands. And when I worked with a couple of those brands, my girlfriend was doing the same thing. And after we had worked with both collectively worked with a handful of brands that we really liked, we were like, how can we get more of our friends to adopt these brands in their day to day? Because these are making us feel better, whether it's a little bit healthier of ingredients, whether it's something that helps us sleep better, we just feel better using these brands. So, and these products. So we were like, how can we, get everybody to try these organically without us like selling them to them and being like putting it like you know shoving it in their face so we decided to throw a party and rather than to have the party be alcohol and people leaving and feeling hung over the next day we wanted it to be all recovery tools so everything that encompassed recovery healthy drinks healthy food massage cryotherapy ivs lymphatic drainage like just literally a spa day on steroids. And we came up with the, the idea of launching it the day after Coachella because uh, everybody is dead the day after Coachella. And so we, we wanted people to be able to feel recovered and feel good. And, um, and it was a great time. And it's, it, it was a great time around that time of year in spring for brands and, and influencers to meet with each other, be able to shoot some content, be able to exchange information so that was what we did uh, the day after Coachella. That was called Reset. Obviously, with COVID, there was no Coachella and then no events. So that got completely put on pause. Haven't, haven't been able to, uh, vamp, to revamp that because of what's going on right now. And we didn't really want to pivot it to being something digital. Um, so that's on pause. And then Honey House is the TikTok house that I started with one of my best friends. Um, we're the first adult TikTok house. Um, we were centered around health, wellness, positivity, family-friendly challenges. And the, the way that that started was I started vlogging my own life right around the beginning of COVID. And my ideal vlogs were similar to David Dobrik, where you have a bunch of people in the vlogs that you are around. 
and that's like what our day-to-day is normally at our house we have a lot of people that come in and out and i just love being around people i love the energy of it i love the vibe of being around people i love having fun and making fun and like just you know messing around with other people so my ideal vlog was like i'm gonna film my life and all of my friends and everybody that i work with um when COVID happened and we went and quarantined with her my girlfriend's family that idea kind of got shot down because it was just the four of us and her parents didn't really want to be the other two characters in my vlogs every time so i needed some more people in my vlogs and i was talking to my best friend in new york and was just saying um I need some more people, bro. And he mentioned, "What if? Why don't we just start a, a house and film it as if we're the new entourage?" And he was like lightly joking, and I was like, "I would love that, bro. Like, I would absolutely love to do that." Um, and so he was just like, "Well, what if we actually quarantine together and we didn't film it like as a reality show, but we filmed it as more of like a TikTok show because TikTok was starting to pop right around that time." And he had a he had a what one of his posts went viral. He had 22 million views overnight. And when we saw that happen, we were like, "Damn, TikTok is really going off right now." So maybe we do need to just spend time on TikTok. And so that was what we did. We decided to move into a house in Los Angeles with we we casted eight of us, so four couples, and we spent a month together. And now we've done two seasons, so we've done two different months. Um, both of those seasons with four couples, and over that span of time, we've been able to grow that that TikTok following from zero to 1.1 million, which is cool, and it's been a good project. And it was uh, from stemming from just me wanting to get more people in my vlogs to uh, where it's at right now has been a fun couple of months. Yeah, I bet, man. That's that's wild. That's cool uh, that it kind of came out of quarantine and making the most out of that. If you're going to quarantine, might as well do it in an awesome house with some sweet people, right? Yeah. And I think that that goes along the same lines of what we were talking about earlier of like the internet has allowed people to do a lot. And there is, when there is hardship at the same time, there's also opportunity. And so you need to, and so you don't need to, but what I would recommend is, looking for where that opportunity is when things are not going the way that you want them to because we were all everybody that was a part of the honey house project we're all sitting in quarantine uh feeling like what can we do right now like this is a, a, a brutal and miserable time and we put our heads together and decided to make lemonade out of it and so um for anybody that is that is in a similar situation where they're like, ah, you know, what can I do right now? There is opportunity out there. Um, spend time looking around and seeing what you can do. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah, the uh, the health aspect of it too, like that. I want to tell you that really shines through, like your authenticity when I watch your videos. It's not like a douchebag influencer or anything. Like I can tell that you're pretty sincere and genuine and um i i love that it's got kind of a health and positivity focus to it too thank you bro yeah i mean that's that's my foundation like my um my mom was a personal trainer my dad was a professional athlete um taking care of my physical well-being has been something that has just been ingrained in me 
um, that mixed with, I think the creativity that I have from my parents, um, made me want to learn even more about it. Um, cause I'm more, I'm much more into like personal development than both of my parents are. Both of them were very much into working out and taking care of your body. But I think that the creativity aspect that I have in my, in my personality made me look at when, when I'm not feeling well, rather than just accept it, be like, what can I change? What can I work on? And that, and that to me is like something that I feel super passionate about. Like I just, um, I just know that, um, I look at mental health the same way as physical health, where everybody that is overweight, everybody that is out of shape right now, you can do something about it by going to a personal trainer and putting in that work. And I think very similar about, about mental health, where majority of the mental health issues and struggles that people are having are changeable if you're willing to put in the work. And I think some people don't know what the work is because it's different than lifting up a physical dumbbell. But I think that going and talking is sometimes the work that is exactly needed. And I think that like, I just look at, I just look at like talking about mental health with, with somebody um, the same way as literally the same way that I view going into a gym and working out with a personal trainer. And so for me, I'm just like, my entire well-being is at the very highest priority over literally everything in my life. And, uh, and it just fuels everything else. So when I, when I am, when I'm feeling good with myself, then I just, then I'm able to use the tools that I was taught from my dad create and my mom creatively, creatively, um, and business wise. And it just makes me, it just makes me better as a whole. So like my, my well-being is really like the foundation of everything that I do. That's amazing, man. Thank you for sharing that, that positive message. Um, I'm going on three years of uh, sobriety this month and kind of been off. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah thanks, dude. Bro. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I went through a lot of um, mental health stuff in my early 20s and kind of depression, anxiety, all, all, all the works. Um, but I hope you don't mind if I put you on the spot, but you you seem like you seem like me in the way that you're very kind of focused and um you probably wouldn't be able to drink or smoke a lot of pot or anything like that. Like, I don't want to ask if you, you know, I'm sure you sure you could or do or whatever, but you, you don't strike me as somebody who like that I, stuff would just slow you down. Right. Uh, so, so, I mean, dude, I, uh, I was always, I always enjoyed partying. Like I always mm-hmm. was one of the guys that enjoyed having fun. Yeah. I had, at the same time, I also, was very in control of when I was pushing my limits, when I was really hurting my body, when I needed to, to stop. Um, and so I was able to, to play a, a good balance of having fun and, and keeping it straight and narrow. Um, I'm not perfect at all. Like I, and, and I don't, and I don't think, I don't even think people that don't drink are, are perfect. I think um, everybody is, is different. And some people, um can can move efficiently while still drinking and smoking more than others i think other people need to be 
a little bit more refined with it uh, to stay on top of their game. And I think obviously the older you get, the more it lends towards needing to be more refined with it. But like I'll drink every once in a while. Like I definitely enjoy having a good time. And when we're at social events are like, I mean, we started a health and wellness festival based off of the fact that we all, we loved going to parties. Um, so, so the social aspect for me is, is great. I love having drinks with friends. Um, I don't, uh, marijuana, I actually have back in the day went, smoked a little bit during quarantine, to be honest, this is actually the first time that I've been talking to anybody about it during quarantine was the first time that I tried smoking again after probably about five years of not smoking weed at all, just because I would get really anxious, to be honest. Yeah. Um, it was just like, oh, I don't have fun doing this. I tried, and I'm the biggest, the biggest lightweight with smoking, but I tried smoking at the beginning of quarantine and I wear a whoop for my recovery yeah. uh, fitness tracker. And I wanted to see how my recovery would be if I smoked a little bit of marijuana and this is going to be so bad for people to hear, but my recovery probably went from a 65 to like a 97 and like it skyrocketed when I smoked. And so I, in a good, in a good way you're saying in a, in an amazing way. Yeah. Okay. I don't like in a really, like in a really good way. And so, oh. and so from, and so from that point on, I went through, I, I went through probably like two months where I was, testing it out and was trying to smoke smoke at every night and for probably like two weeks straight like my whoop recovery was in the green which is like above uh 70 every night that i did and so and so i have i didn't think i would ever be somebody that said that i smoked because of the actual benefits of recovery but um i'm like a firm believer right now that if you can if you if it works with if it works with your makeup uh it can definitely aid in recovery because I've, I'm a testament to like, I, I feel amazing sometimes after I sleep and wake up, I just feel clear. Uh, it allows me to relax at night. So I'm like a, I'm a, I'm a hard, I'm a hard yes. If it's right for you, go for it. Yeah. But I think it's different for everybody. Yeah, totally. I mean, you nailed it with the makeup thing. Like it's just, it doesn't work for my makeup. I, I take CBD now, which is, which is great for me, but Nice. I also yeah. like CBD. I think CBD has got a lot, got a lot of, uh, that's got a long time, um, in the, in the history of the world now moving forward where people are going to start learning a lot more about the benefits of CBD. Yeah. We actually just, uh, started working with Nick at can I brands. So they're, they're our, nice. one of our sponsors now. So that's pretty cool. I love that. That's yeah. great. Um, thanks man. Um, last, last, last two questions on, uh, I saw I saw you were in the WHL for Vancouver and up in Kamloops and I've been up in Banff and Jasper and that's like one of my favorite places uh you know to travel just wanted to touch on that and then Moscow KHL kind of what did you learn and uh what were your experiences while traveling playing hockey Yeah so um Banff at my my dad actually has a place in Banff now very recently I haven't spent too much time up there, but I did. Um, but all around that area in Canada, Alberta, and BC was was where I played for four years. I uh, I loved it. Like I like I'll, I'll talk about the WHL first, and then the KHL second. The WHL for me 
when I look back at that whole experience was overall a positive experience. Um, I definitely got put through the ringer. Um, I was a six, I was a 15 year old kid coming from living in Palm Springs in Scottsdale, moving to the outskirts of Vancouver and playing for Don Hay. And if you don't know who Don Hay is, he's notoriously one of the hardest coaches and most successful um, to play for. And so going from a coach in Scottsdale, Arizona to that's golfing eight, nine, 10 months a year to uh, going and living in a, a small town of Ladner uh, and playing for one of the most ruthless organizations in the CHL, like best, like high, high, high end organization um, was just a really big jump for me to do as a kid. Like uh, I'm like notoriously a, uh, more of like a mama's boy. I'm like notoriously a little bit probably softer than uh, than I was when I needed to to play. Um, and I just think that that lifestyle was like a major change for me. And so the the four years that I was there were like very developmental for me. I think that I learned a ton about taking care of myself um, as almost an adult when I was. 15 to 20, which if players aren't, if, if your family isn't living very close to you in the WHL and your billets aren't people that you actually feel like you can rely on as parents, then you end up having to learn how to take care of yourself. And that was my situation. I think that I did have, I, I went through a handful of different billets. I think I had some good ones. I think I had some bad ones. But I don't think that any of them, I actually felt like as close to them as I did with my my own parents, my mom um, and my family. And so I just spent those four years like really learning how to grow up. Um, the guys were a big part of that. Every single team that I was on, if you ask any of the guys on the team, that was like really my shit was the guys. I like, I really honestly think that that probably is the reason why I didn't play in the NHL was because I was more focused on having fun with the guys than I was uh, trying to grind as a, as a player. Um, but I, you know, I think that there, you just, there's, there's a lot of different variables to that, that make up when you're 15, 16 and you're living away from home playing in a professional sport. So um, I loved the experience in the WHL. I have so many memories from great memories and great friendships that I still consider great friends today. Um, when I got done with the WHL, I played in the East Coast for four years. The East Coast is when I think I started to subconsciously realize that hockey was now my side hustle. Um, I don't think that there's many people that make it from playing a full year in the East Coast all the way up to the NHL. I think that my first year I was very adamant about trying to do that. And I think that as the years went on, the realization became more and more clear that I wasn't going to play in the NHL. And also that I really didn't enjoy a lot of the ins and outs of the games as much as I thought I did. I love the practices. I love the guys. I even loved the, the, some of the games, but the lifestyle of an ECHL player is like the most far from glamorous thing that you can imagine. Some organizations have it a little bit better than others. Um, but I was and and some players that are playing in that league come from very small towns. And so being going from a place in the middle of Saskatchewan to going to a place like uh, Atlanta, 
is a big, not upgrade, but is just like exciting for them. For me, for me, knowing what I had in Scottsdale, knowing what my friends were doing in Scottsdale, and knowing that I was passionate about other things aside from hockey, um, those years that I was playing after I was 20 were kind of like, what am I even playing for? Like, I don't know. Like, I'm enjoying it still. So I do have that. And I am technically making money. Uh, so, but it's, it's, it's barely, it's enough to live off of during the season, but it's not like, you know, you're making an actual salary. And so for me, I was kind of just ending up looking at it like this is a second job. Uh, and what I really want to spend my time on outside of being at the rink is what am I really interested in? And that's encompasses this whole conversation of 98% of my time outside of the rink was spent on the internet. I was creating content. I was posting stuff on Instagram. I was tweeting. I was going on. I was building tumblers. I was going through. Uh, I was. I ended up creating a podcast. Like I was just. An, I was just spending time on the internet. Um, was it just hockey topics, or what? what not, were there not at all. Everything else. There what, was what kind of topics? So I was. So I was producing. I when I played in when I played juniors in in the WHL, I started producing dan uh, EDM when I was in Kamloops because I was, I grew up, I played all different types of instruments. I played drums, guitar, uh, saxophone. I just played like a lot of instruments growing up and then uh, was really into rap music. My brother got me really into rap music when I was younger. And so when I played in Kamloops in the WHL, there was like a, a wave of dance music going around. Like everybody remembers when EDM started to get big, Avicii, all of that stuff. And so I was like, huh, I, I don't have my guitar here. I don't have drums here, but I've seen people like create beats on their computer. Like, I wonder if I can try and do that. So I started doing that when I was in Kamloops when I was 18 with my roommate who was from California. And we started like, in, I lived with him and we started doing like mini sets at our house. So like DJing, playing music, making music, messing around. We actually got an article in the Kamloops paper about how we had a side duo of a dj group uh while we were playing our team hated it obviously because they took you away from my hockey but um but that was like so fun for me and my whole team knew my whole team was super into it and me and my roommate would like create mixes for the locker room and like that was so that was like my initial passion then when i got to uh pro when i turned 20 21 22 um, I was still producing music, so that was a majority of my time, but I also was seeing what was happening on platforms like Instagram where people were posting content and were just building massive followings. And on things like Snapchat where people were building Snapchat followings that were getting, their stories were getting viewed by 5,000, 10,000 people. And so I didn't know exactly what I wanted to to talk about. I just knew that I really wanted to connect with people and I really wanted people to watch what I was doing. And so I would just post everything. Like I would post things around the rink. I would post things that were funny when we were traveling that people would just not believe as a professional athlete. I would that, like that we were seeing uh, different bus tour, like, you know, nights on a bus where you're driving 27 hours on a bus uh, and just like, you know, giving people an inside look of me as a pro. Um, and I think that that started to build me a little bit of a following. Like, I think that while I was playing in the East Coast, I started to develop a little bit of an Instagram following and 
and and was also posting a little bit about me doing music and doing different things. So I think people were kind of intrigued into like, what does this kid do? Like, what is who is he? Like, what is yeah. he? What is he doing? Um, and then when I went to Russia, which was in 2017, um, that really was like for me mentally, physically, spiritually was like really stepping up to the plate of like. Again, I had just gone through four years of playing pro that were really not that fun. I had gone through the ringer. I'd gotten traded. I'd been on some good teams. I'd been on some bad teams. Um, and I was really at the point where I was like, I, I kind of just feel like I'm done with this. Like, I might just be like done with hockey. Um, and in the summers, I was doing acting. I was going to acting school in L.A. For some reason, I was like, I'm going to think about being an actor. Had no, no, real, no, really no interest in it, but was like, Let's check it out. So I was going to acting school in the summer. Is like actually going to school uh, in LA for it. And uh, and during the second summer, I got a call from I got I was sitting in Malibu. I was staying with a friend in Malibu, and I got a call that had the number had about nineteen digits on my phone. And I picked and I was like, this is not a real number. And I answered it, and it was Sergey Fedorov calling me from Russia, and he just said, JT. This is Sergey Fedorov from Seska. And I was like, what's up, Sergey? And he said, uh, he said, hey, I just talked to your dad and I'm just calling to see if you had any interest in coming over to Russia to try out for our, our uh, KHL team. He said, You're gonna, you, if you did have interest, you would be starting with our VHL team. Um, but if you make our VHL team and you work your way up, you can play for our team in the KHL. We need a player like you that is that just works really hard, can play both ends of the ice. And uh, I hung up and I literally looked at my room, the guy I was staying with, and I was like, that was fucking Sergey Fedorov from Russia. <laughs> and, he was, and he was like, what did he say? And he, I was like, he, wanted me, he wants me to go play in Russia. And I just, my, I remember my friend looking at, we just looked at each other and he was like, Russia? And I was like, Russia. And he was like, holy fuck. And I was just like, dude, I think I have to do it. Uh, and so I spent like the next week talking to people that I had, were familiar with the second league that I was going to start in. Literally every person was like, dude, if you're going to go, if, if you're going to go play in this league, you need to spend the next two months training harder than you've ever trained in your life. Because this is not, this is not like the AHL. This is like, you're living in a military base. You're traveling in a, in a Greyhound bus. You're driving 14, 15 hours without stopping anywhere. Like, this is like not glamorous um and so i spent the next two months like really really training i was reading I, I probably went too hard i was reading i was reading books on the marines i was like really trying to, I, that was when i got really into listening to david goggins i was listening to like every marine that i could find i was just like put it in my ears like i, I this is what i need to go there with um i definitely That's went sick, a little man. bit too hard yeah i definitely went like i definitely went like really hard into it um but I showed up in Russia, like really feeling like no matter what happens, I'm getting through this fucking shit. I'm ready for this. And, uh, and it was, it was, it wasn't as intense as people had made it seem. I definitely made it more intense in my head going over there with the mindset that I was literally going to war. Um, but it was, it was, it was a Russian military base, armed guards outside, um, you're in the middle of nowhere. I, you don't, I, my, I was told not to walk around the city after dark. Like there definitely was sketchy elements to it, but the guys on the team, 
when I was over there were amazing, like super, super, super nice and super cool. And so that that experience in Russia, I, I ended up playing there for eight months. I ended up making it up to the first team. I played one game for the KHL team and then asked for a trade to go play for another KHL team where I stayed playing in the KHL for the the second, the, for probably the last third of the season. Um, but that whole experience of Russia was like, for me, was definitely something that built um, discipline in me and built some some sort of a, a knowing that like, if I dedicate myself to something, I can do it. And, uh, and that was something that I think that's, that was an experience that I really think has helped me today with a lot of the stuff that I'm doing now as an entrepreneur, where I'm doing it by myself and I'm not around a team and I'm having to go through different challenges that I probably before wouldn't have wanted to go through. Now I have more of a mentality of like, cool, let's fucking go, which is dope. So um, that entire experience was definitely a positive one that I look at, look back at now and laugh at a lot of it. And also I'm like, wow, that was just wild. I bet, dude. Yeah, kudos to you, man. Uh, not a lot of people would just leave the beach in Malibu and go to the middle of Moscow yeah. uh, to live like that. So, but yeah, that definitely shows a lot about you, man. That's awesome. Thanks, bro. Um, so last one, you I saw your post about uh, Clubhouse and uh, just kind of an overview of LinkedIn, Clubhouse, social media, kind of, is it still Instagram? Thoughts on TikTok in the next couple months if you were just say uh to use that example again i guess of the uh the little kid we posted the eight-year-old stick handling uh in ontario right now um where should he yeah. be spending his time and kind of what what would you do tiktok um the opportunity to grow is so much higher on tiktok than it is on anything else and i also think that the like raw um, not filtered, not too produced content lends the best to a platform like TikTok. Um, it's hard to grow on Instagram right now. Like there's nobody that I know that is really, really growing on Instagram right now. Um, and that isn't, that isn't doing something that's pretty special. Um, LinkedIn, I think if it's an eight year old is going to be too, the audience is going to be too young on there. Um, I would say, I, I would really strongly say, put your attention into TikTok. Um, on that same note, Clubhouse is an interesting one because it's new, it's audio only. I think that you can, you, audio is cool because you could just passively consume it. You can be doing other things during it. Um, I, I'm interested to see what happens with Clubhouse with Twitter doing the same thing. Um, so I'm not sure if it will be something that when Twitter comes and does it, if it pulls all of the people that were on Clubhouse now over to Twitter and then Clubhouse becomes something that is obsolete, similar to how Instagram stories stole Snapchat's feature. And now, you know, Snapchat is having a little bit of a moment, but I don't really know too many people that are spending a majority of their time on Snapchat. Um, so I personally think that Twitter will have that same effect. I, I, I think people will end up spending more time on on the Twitter on Twitter spaces when it comes out but we'll see we'll see if Clubhouse is able to keep uh, the user base that they have right now but for anybody that's listening that is creating content that is trying to build a page and um, isn't a natural like very skilled content creator 
go on TikTok, post as often as you can, spend time scrolling and, and playing around on the platform and uh, test different things out. And I'm going through this right now with my mom. My mom has never, my mom has, is the farthest away from wanting to post content. And over the last eight months, I've been really on her about posting to TikTok and posting more the, and reposting those same videos to Instagram. And uh, over this last week, she started to get some videos that are having 100,000 views. And I'm just like, this is amazing. I'm so pumped. My mom has turned into like a little content creator, which is just so sick to see. Um, and so I just think that for, for anybody that's starting out right now, you don't have to be a quote unquote content creator to build something that's massive on TikTok. And so I would spend my time on there. That's awesome, man. That's so funny you say that about your mom too, because my mom's a health coach and I've been on her for years. Like, just post it. Like, you know so much in your head. No just way. get it out there. Totally. Um, Is she doing it? A little bit. Like, she does her yoga videos on YouTube, cool. which are pretty cool. Um, but like, yeah, she's got freaking binders full of knowledge that should be these 30 second little videos. Like Dude, you know, I'm, even, like, I'm watching some of my mom and my mom. Yeah. Same thing. Personal trainer. When I'm and I'm watching some of these clips that my mom's putting out and I'm like, damn, I don't even know that. Like, that's like some good stuff. Like yeah. you, people need to hear this. Um, so, yeah, I think every and that just like right there just goes to show that everybody has something that other people will find useful that they personally don't look at as useful. And so I think just like putting out your best information, putting out everything that you have and just seeing what the response is, because for a lot more of us than we think, it will actually be something that people will find really useful and could turn into something that could uh, be worthwhile. Yeah. It's so crazy. The stuff that's on there that people like love, like, it just goes back to Gary Vaynerchuk's uh, Crush It book years ago. It's like you can make money now talking about literally anything that makes you happy. So Totally. I mean, dude, that guy, I love that guy. Like that guy is yeah. probably the dude that I listen to more than anybody else by a long ways. Um, I just think that he's, I just think that he's, he, he leads and he uh, leads with emotion rather than um, leading with, um, intellect which is something that i try to do um i try to blend the two a lot but i try to um i try to stay really in touch with my emotions and how i'm feeling because that to me is what really drives me rather than knowledge and uh and information so i just i think i resonate a lot with him and i think that what he does is really dope yeah have you met him in person I haven't met him in person. It's so oh, funny because yeah. literally my business partner is his, his right hand, one of his right yeah. hand people. And uh, no, I haven't met him. I'm, I, I'll meet him one day and uh, I'll be excited when I do. Yeah, I got to meet him uh, at a conference real quick, but he's super genuine, like looks at my shirt. I had great, great uh, luck with your venture and stuff. So he's no like way. Super, super, Wait, yeah. he's, he looked at your shirt? So I had uh, let's chat about it, my mental health thing um, nice. on my shirt. And he could have just signed my book and taken my picture and, you know, kept going. But he just like actually took the moment to be like, hey, good luck. Good luck with everything. And like you could just feel like he was he was actually super genuine in person too. like one, of the, one of the uh, one of the legends that I want to leave behind is having everybody that doesn't know me asking a person that has met me 
is he really as good as he talks in his content? Is he really the same way as he seems in his Instagram stories? And that person be like, he's even fucking better. And I think yeah. that that is a lead. That is the legend that I have that I hear right now about Gary. Everybody that I've, that I have met that knows him either on a personal level or has just met him. I asked that question to, and every single one of them doesn't even just say, yeah, he's the same. They say he's better in person. Yeah. And to me that I hold that higher than anything that that guy does business wise. If he buys the New York jets, if he buys Pepsi, whatever, like that to me doesn't seem as dope as the fact that, well, he's doing that. He's a really awesome dude to be around and that people really enjoy him. And to me, I'm like, that's, that's exactly what I want to do. Yeah, man. Well, you're on the right path. I showed my girlfriend before we podcasted, like, I was like, Hey, check this guy out. Like I'm, I'm pretty pumped to talk to him and you know, we're the same age, but I'm still, you know, excited to talk to you. And, uh, now I, I, I can say, you know, it's, you're even cooler to talk to you like one-on-one. So you're Thank on you, the right bro. path for that. Yeah, man. I appreciate um, that. Yeah, dude. Uh, do you want to, uh, plug your social media handles and stuff? So anybody yeah. listening can follow along. Yeah. So, uh, would love for anybody that listens to this to send me a message. J- it's just JC Barnett on Instagram, on TikTok, on Twitter, on LinkedIn, all of those. Um, Honey House is the TikTok house. That's on TikTok uh, at Honey House. Um, and then Triple Deke is on Instagram. That's Triple Deke, uh, T R I P L E D E K E. And uh, that's our hockey platform. And any one of those would love for you guys to check out and would greatly appreciate you guys to follow along. Yeah, right on, man. Um, cool, cool, JT. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, maybe the morning skate and Triple Deke will do some cool stuff together in the future. I'd love to love to talk to you more about that at some other time. But yeah. dude, you, uh, we shared a lot. We shared social media, business, uh, health, hockey, all good, all good stuff. Uh, really do appreciate it. Thank you, bro. I appreciate you having me. This was a, this was a good conversation, and actually some topics that i haven't discussed on other podcasts at least in the last honestly in a long time so um i hope that some of the people that listen got something valuable out of it yeah totally i i didn't mean to put you on the spot about the the drugs and alcohol stuff but you uh you i think that's, i'm over- glad that you did because delivered yeah i was thinking about posting something about it the other day because it really has been something that has benefited my recovery so yeah. um I mean, there's, there's, there's virtually no topics that I am not open to to chatting about. I think there's like some personal things that I really don't want to get into as much, but like, I'm, I'm going to, I'm pretty much an open book. Love it, brother. Well, if, uh, if I make my way out to LA anytime soon, I'm going to hit you up. Please do. Please do. Everybody go, go follow JT. Uh, awesome dude. Thanks again. Thank you guys. Thanks for having me, bro. Everything look better with a view Why you always in the mood? Walk around like you're brand new